0: Hey guys, check this out! Welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I am L, your host, and with me today is special guest and enemy of the show, Raniko. If you would, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Hi, uh, I am uh, Raniko. I'm an Australian who is living in Sweden. Uh, I... Was putting out stuff on YouTube. Would like to again at some point, but I have a small human that is occupying a lot of my time at the moment, making it difficult <laughs> to get things done.
0: I mean, fair. Can't exactly leave them to fend for themselves anymore. It's not
1: exactly a PC. <laughs> no, or, or particularly clever. Uh,
0: oh, well, worked out for Rome. <laughs>
1: Oh, no well i mean there are wolves in sweden they've reintroduced them but i don't know that there are many around where we live so might yeah. be a bit difficult to get i'm sure is
0: no maybe that's an excursion then <laughs> uh, so you're bringing something to us that you enjoy and are passionate about uh, could you talk a little bit about it in your own words
1: yeah sure so uh this is about a kind of multiple series of shows but it's called back in time for dinner Uh, and it's something that started in the uk and now there are three different versions of it a bit like kind of what happened with the office where uh, different countries have licensed the same concept to do the same thing Uh, and it's a series about taking a family uh and showing them uh, having them live through what it was like to live and eat back through, depending on the show, you know, 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, uh, 2000s. Uh, so how technologies changed, what things became available, how, how your life changed as that technology came down. Uh, and yeah, it's been very interesting uh, to also compare the different series as I've watched through them,
0: hmm, like sort of the uh, when would it have been like the post-war economic miracle of Japan bringing out all the like microwaves and everything, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah. So microwaves are a really big thing when they're introduced. Uh, so uh, the there are the three countries that have done them thus far are uh, Australia, the UK, which is where it started and canada and they're culturally kind of similar but obviously they're in very different places in the globe they had very different things happen to them and so you see the common thread of technology but you also see you know that lens of different countries and different things happening in those regions that also influences things uh yeah so Hmm.
0: so Cool. I've got my prepared list of questions that are designed yeah. to delve a little bit deeper into that enjoyment of yours, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: Cool. So question one. Imagine that I was someone who'd been recently awoken from a coma or resurrected from being frozen in ice or even like a houseplant gifted sapiens by some yeah. malevolent wizard. Essentially, I know what media is, but I have never experienced any. How would you explain this sh- uh, this show without comparing it to anything?
1: Would you like to learn about what you've missed, in the case of someone who's been reanimated, uh, about how society has changed, how the food we eat has changed over the course of the last 50 to 60 years, or 100 years if you want to go and watch the sequel series?
0: but surely I could just read a book.
1: You could, but this is about seeing people experience it for themselves. Uh, Reading a book doesn't give you the same presentation. It doesn't give you the same impact as seeing someone run through it. You can get into the heads a bit more, yes, but you don't get the same opportunity to kind of see these people have that lived experience while still having a modern perspective.
0: Fair enough. Uh, question two. Hypothetically, our positions are reversed, and I'm guesting on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast. I've just answered the previous question with your response verbatim. What stood out to you the most?
1: So I think it is the that lived experience, the fact that they're getting these people to act out those roles, uh, to grapple with the devices, the food and the food availability that was present in the past. Uh, So uh, for me, I know that the way I cook is very much based on how ingredients are available to me. The fact that I can very easily freeze leftovers, right? That's not always been true. But what would life have been like when every meal you've got to make basically has to be made from scratch, and restaurants aren't really available, takeout's not really available? How does that impact things, uh, and how how do you feel about being stuck in particular societal roles that that then forces you into as well? Hmm. I can just imagine
0: just the from even like my own parents basically telling me the stories of oh you have to go out to the icebox, hmm. you got to yeah. wait for the
1: the milkman to come around this week, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, refrigeration is a really big thing it turns out, and hmm. also that depends on where you are. So the like I said, there's an Australian version of this, hmm. every single-decade refrigeration is an important thing in Australia, right? Right from the 1950s, but even uh, when they do the sequel series and they go further back in time, back to the 1900s. like We always have some sort of technology in place to try and keep our food cold longer because we live in a warmer climate. Uh, The UK, (laughs) they spend two decades in the original series with no fridge, just a marble shelf in the pantry, which... Is cooler it's a cool area it's a cooler room the meat will keep okay for a couple of days like <laughs> uh, question three so
0: we can tell that this is obviously something that you care about uh what got you to give it a chance in the first place
1: uh homesickness so like i said i live in sweden uh i wanted to watch some australian media uh and so i had uh, Bought myself a VPN, uh, one of the various VPNs that get heavily advertised on YouTube, as it turns out, (laughs) and uh, got access to iView. Uh, And so, for those unfamiliar, iView is the uh, web platform for the ABC, the government broadcaster in Australia. And so, you can watch a bunch of Australian shows that way. And one of the ones that caught my eye was. Back in Time for Dinner. Uh, It seemed a bit similar to a show that my wife had quite enjoyed here in Sweden, uh, which I never quite got into, which is also basically about life and food in previous eras. And yeah, I I thought that would be an interesting show to watch. And then I kind of was like, who came up with this idea? And then started uh, using the VPN. To watch mm. shows available from other government broadcasters uh, elsewhere. So,
0: yeah, because I'm just thinking the premise kind of reminds me of, at the very least, a Simpsons episode where they do this. But I think it's based off a real show where it's just like you are going to be living as if you were in the 1600s. Yeah. You're not not allowed to do anything else. Here are the clothes you can wear. Yeah, the the whole shebang. Whereas this yeah. sounds it's a little bit more focused on just the
1: the food and everything? So I mean that's the lens that they approach everything. I think that a large part of this idea kind of came from the fact that in the UK they did a food survey where they had a bunch of people like a long running food survey for decades where people would record what they ate, what they uh what what meals that they were preparing and a little bit about why, but it was mostly the meals they were preparing. Uh, in each show, they've had historians involved, which also helps you get the context. Uh, but it's, so I guess one thing that I didn't mention is in each case, what they've done is they've taken the family that's agreed to take part. They've taken their home and they've each week, they remodel the bottom floor of the house to match the era. So, if it's the 1940s, that means that they have remodeled the living room, the kitchen, uh, replaced all the kitchen gadgets, obviously, with ones from the 1940s, or at least mm. recreations. The the food that's in the pantry, the food that, um, in later areas, is also in the fridge. Uh, just everything. And, uh, yeah, and then they dress them up in the appropriate era clothes. <laughs> they get people that were around in the in those times or uh, work in a similar profession to talk about uh, what, what people did, right? It's not just the kitchen, though that's the main lens, but it's also a bit about what social life was like, uh, what kinds of things people, w- a typical family was doing in that era uh, and, a, yeah. and a reasonably comfortable income. I should note, like this is the idea is this is a middle class family. Uh, it isn't, uh, at least the main series doesn't explore what it's like for any notable person in history, uh, except in like an anecdote. And it also doesn't explore what it's like if you have basically nothing.
0: Yeah, like if you were living through the the Great Depression again, but on like a shoestring budget.
1: Yeah, although I should note that each series uh so further back in time which has been done in australia and in the uk does cover the great depression because it starts at 1900 so Mm. uh in the australian one you see like they they go through the steps of like in the 1920s you have various people getting part-time jobs and full-time jobs the kids getting part-time jobs and then the great depression hits and they during the 1930s Basically, everyone slowly loses their jobs and they have to work out how they're going to keep things going on a shoestring budget. The UK one, on the other hand, they're like, well, actually, uh, people in this profession, most of them were totally fine. So, actually, <laughs> the 1930s was pretty great for them. And then they have a, a separate person who uh, enters the show as the maid of all works because a, fam- a middle-class family in the UK, at the start of the uh, 1900s, literally would have had a live-in maid. Like, it's a very different position to be in. Yeah, just
0: a just a spin, just a smidge. Yeah. Uh, so, question four. Uh, For some people, a sense of community and like-mindedness are integral to their enjoyment of something. So to your knowledge, is there a community based around the show that you're aware of? And if so, what are they like?
1: I have absolutely no idea. I've not done any uh, (laughs) research into it. So uh, when it comes to games, I do actually like to look into the communities for things that I'm following. But Mm. for some reason, not for TV shows. Don't know why. So there's no, like, back in time for dinner fan conventions? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, like I said, there could, there could in theory, be a fairly strong fan community. I just, I've never even looked for it. So I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. As I said, that's for some people, yeah. not everyone.
0: Yeah. Uh, so... Question five. Uh, There are many aspects of media that resonate differently with different people. What is your favourite part of a typical episode?
1: I think my favourite part is dealing with just the loss of conveniences. I think my single favourite moment in any of the shows I've seen so far is... In the first episode of Further Back in Time for Dinner, the Australian one, where they are preparing a meal. And the eldest daughter goes, where is the milk? I can't find the milk in the cool box. And then the dawning realization that there is a cow outside. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and obviously, like uh, someone who is actually from that era would not be horrified at the realization that they suddenly need to milk this cow. But
0: uh, <laughs> I mean, hell, someone that from that era probably
1: would have done it hours ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And part of it is seeing someone you know who I can relate to a bit more easily, as they have grown up. At least, in a roughly similar era to me, uh, trying to grapple with how it was like then, how life was in those days. I guess I should say,
0: hmm. like just adjusting to expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, question six, uh, following on from the previous question, what do you think will would appeal most to the general public?
1: I think it's mostly about what it what it was like before before we had all the conveniences we had today. Was life one of the things that is posed uh, by a few families is the idea that maybe life was better then because you have different uh, weights on your time and different emphasis on spending time with your family. Um, mm. I, I'm not the kind of person that tends to think that, uh, but I do like to see what kinds of, how life has changed. And I, I find that quite appealing to look through. So kind of the more like historical education type aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And like when they hit eras that you're more familiar with, uh, there's also a certain sense of nostalgia, uh, the Australian show, in particular, for me, because I'm Australian, um, it mm. was interesting to see parts of history I was familiar with. But on the other hand, when I watched the UK and the Canadian one, I was seeing I was seeing uh, history that I'm not very familiar with. Uh, I mean, the Australian education system does talk a bit about the UK for some reason, especially when it comes to World War Two. Yeah, it's weird how uh, they
0: like. Connected sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Who uh, can say?
1: And, and studied. Studied. What I should say. <laughs> but uh, but like I, when it comes to Canada, it's like well, it's it's that country on the top of the US, uh, but yeah, northern North America. <laughs> yeah, not okay. something I've spent much time looking into.
0: Fair enough. I, so question seven. Say that I do end up enjoying this because of your excellent recommendation. What would be your number one follow-up? It doesn't need to be like a like a sequel series or anything, but if I wanted something along the same sort of
1: vein. Okay, well, in this case, there are so many kind of spin-offs that I'm still working my way through. So there's the basic concept of back in time for dinner. Uh, there, there's also... Christmas specials which is what was Christmas like in each of those decades Uh, and there's a UK and a Canadian one at that there's Back in Time for the Weekend which I believe uh, focuses on leisure Uh, there's Back in Time for Brixton's which is about the experience of uh, the uh, people of colour moving to the UK uh, Mm. and and especially uh, black people moving to the UK, uh, and there are many others. If you ever, uh, the and I know of uh, Historia Etna in Swedish is a similar kind of concept. Uh, if you manage to track down a copy of that with subtitles, uh, that said, <laughs> if you manage to do that, please let me know because I'm still looking for a copy of that with even Swedish subtitles. So I can have a better chance of uh, following what's going on there. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> but
0: I can just imagine if someone in the UK watching the Australian Christmas
1: special and going,
0: what the bloody hell?
1: <laughs> yeah. Sadly, there isn't a, a Australian Christmas special. I guess oh. they didn't, they didn't consider that worth doing since we don't tend to do Christmas specials. Um, but, Which is weird because yeah. of the fo- the amount of focus we get for, around Christmas and everything. Yeah. But it because is also interesting like, seeing things yeah. like the UK used to have ham as a very common Christmas meat. And mm. I remember that as a pretty common Christmas meat in Australia. Mm. But um, basically it's very, it is not, at least according to the family, that that was focused on that they they never had it at christmas before it's just like fallen out of favor for turkey and that kind of thing so that's where you've got that common cultural connection that's been lost in the in the uk so yeah
0: because for people that don't know which may surprise people that this isn't known australia is in the southern hemisphere so (laughs) our christmas time it is summer it is very hot if it's it yeah. six hundred degrees Celsius outside, the last thing you want to do is do a whole roast dinner. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But that's still uh. what gets pushed. <laughs> I don't get it. It does, and it doesn't like. Um, yeah. seafood not exactly a common thing for uh, your for your dinner in the UK or the uh, or Canada for your Christmas dinner. Cherries, I have people very confused at the idea that I would associate Christmas with cherries here in Sweden. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's definite kind of impacts that the fact that your Christmas is in summer has. Yeah,
0: that's why I'm surprised they haven't done an Australian one. Maybe that's coming
1: up. Who knows? Yeah, I I don't know how well it did. I mean, clearly it did well enough on the ABC that they decided to do further back in time. And that came out last year. It was further back in time for Christmas came out last year. And in fact, one of the two properties they looked at using for uh, filming further back in time burnt in the bushfires. So <laughs> they were pretty lucky. Uh, to you, you might need to narrow that down a bit. <laughs> burnt in the very big bushfires at the start of 2020. Okay. Because I was also going
0: to say that for the very big bushfires, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah um uh, so uh, question eight sometimes our engagement with a piece of media comes from a position of relativity was there a family that you or like an episode that you specifically related to and what Mm -hmm. about them drew you to
1: it (laughs) um not really so i think the the australian one was more likely to have that right it's based in sydney so one of the fun games for that was trying to work out roughly where in Sydney they were, um, mm. uh, but they, oh, I was horrified to find out that the family that they picked for this don't like Vegemite. That that's just sick oh. and wrong. Uh, How? Why? Yeah. Names, names and places. Give me <laughs> now. Well, I mean, if you watch the show, you get their names, Uh, and if you pay attention to the bus routes, I think you can figure out roughly where they're located. But uh, Mm. (laughs) yeah, I'm flummoxed. Yeah, well, I mean, turns out not everyone likes Vegemite. It's bizarre. I don't don't understand it. Blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, question nine.
0: A lot of these types of interviews rely on the question of what would you bring with you to a desert island in order to try and get to know a person. But that's not what this show does. What we ask instead is to picture this scenario. You're on a desert island with no hope of rescue, but food, water, shelter and everything like that is being taken care of. So you're not going to succumb before you know, your natural time. You've also been provided with a single piece of media and the means to engage with it. And for you, this is back in time for dinner. How frequently do you rewatch it and how long
1: before you're sick of it? That's a good question. I don't frequently rewatch media, at least Mm. televised media. So, I, I mean, if it's the only bit of content I've got... Hopefully, it's like that. The, like I said, the whole kind of extended deal, because then there's quite a bit of it.
0: It looks like they'll
1: they'll give you <laughs>
0: what is currently available, and you're not going to get any updates.
1: Then I reckon I probably end up watching watching each series half a dozen times in that scenario um, before I get sick of it. I think it would be quite helpful because, especially if you're looking at some of the uh, older eras where there is uh, more independence from uh, from kind of global supply chains, uh, yeah. then there's certainly some stuff there that I could probably use on a desert island. Uh, hmm. But yeah, probably like, about that much.
0: It's like taking the um, what is it—the primitive tools or something like that—the YouTube guys?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, evidently, yeah, like. 1900s is nowhere near primitive tools. Uh, but still, there's certainly some ideas that could come from it and, so, and some discussions that they have around sustainability and um, basically your relationship to the food that you eat that probably would be useful. Mm. So, like, certainly the, gotcha. the short segments they had on finding food uh, with some Aboriginal... Uh, There's some people of Aboriginal descent in the uh, Australian further back in time for dinner would be quite useful.
0: Yeah, it's like the the useful tips of, like, don't load up on sugar if you're stuck on an island. Yeah. (laughs) And that happens to be all the questions I have, so thank you for indulging me. Uh, So hopefully that's given people a little bit of a deeper insight into your perspective. Yeah. Before I ruin the show further by just talking for myself for a bit, it's time for everyone's actual favourite part—a word from the sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Hey, you know something funny? I love you. People don't say that enough. Now I do have the follow-up from a review from last episode's enemy of the show and self-proclaimed escaped android, learning to love Dino Winwood's recommendation of Action Multante. Or Mutant Action. Is this a property that you're familiar with?
1: Nope. (laughs) Not even a little bit.
0: Fair enough. It took me a while to find a copy that worked. And I will not disclose my sources on a public podcast. (laughs) But it was pitched, I think, as more comedic than it ended up being. It ended up being a little bit more dramatic than I had anticipated still good but yeah I think I went into it with a bit of a different perspective for it um, basically it is a group of uh, physically and mentally disabled or like uh, altered people who uh, doing a terrorist group that targets all of the beautiful people all of the like high society they like, get by on looks and smarts and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And they try to kidnap, like, a famous heiress. And it goes spectacularly wrong. And the boss ends up going crazy and trying to kill everyone to get a bigger share of the bounty.
1: That sounds and great. Kind
0: of, kind of abruptly ends out of nowhere, but not nearly as abruptly as, like, a Blazing Saddles or a Holy Grail. Because they are very abrupt and just... <laughs> What the hell happened? But I, I think if I were being generous, I would say it's a three out of five. Might end up being a two and a half.
1: <laughs> Not something that you're keen to then try and dig deeper into to try and get some better answers to those questions as to why it ended so abruptly or why they made certain decisions.
0: I, I mean, I assume it was budget because the costumes were good. Uh, The props, not so much. It's like, oh, he's got a big gun that is like literally a sheet of cardboard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if anyone is up to the challenge, I I, I mean, hell, look it up. It's worth a watch. And I think I will be trying to look into a little bit more of like the director's work because he's made a few other ones apparently. (laughs) But yeah. So, before we wrap up this, the final ever episode of Check This Out for this recording session, and the fourth time that I've ever made that joke, would you be able to tell the audience where they might find you online, and if you have anything to stroke
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you can find me online. Uh, I use Ranico in most places, uh, but there are some other people that also use that. I'm Ranico on Twitter. I'm, I am have a YouTube channel, Ranico Plays, that In theory, I will put videos up on again at some point when I have time. Uh, Mostly do uh, daily challenges of roguelike games and try and do tip videos for the games that I've been playing. Unfortunately, right now, that is a mobile game called Star Trek Fleet Command and pretty much nothing else. (laughs) I I mean, I'm a big fan of your heat signature series. I'm a big fan of Heat Signature. Uh, yes. If I were to do this again, I probably would uh, be interested in talking about that game. That's so good. It, it is.
0: And on that note, I've been L. I've been Ranico. And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media positivity. And remember, ask yourself, does the Pope shit in the woods?